We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weather back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hammond, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I am very well, James. Um, wrapping up what it will be my last vacation uh, before the start of training camp, which starts in mere moments, mere days. Um, down in San Diego for a few days acting like a complete ratchet and uh having <laughs> having the time of my life so yeah it's been a lot of fun live it up sean yes, uh sir. i'm good you know the last time we spoke um i i was heading to alaska on a cruise and uh then i i got back from the cruise and I had to go instantly into work mode uh with the insiders all week and so it's been it's been a little like all over the board um we threw this together at the last minute, so that's why there is no Brendan. Uh, we have not heard from Brendan, and we hope that uh, like it's possible he could show up magically. And we're like, hey, there's Brendan. Uh, but uh, we had to throw this thing together like very quickly uh, because Sean is in San Diego, and I have uh, an event tonight that I've got to go to. So, uh, but yeah, Sean, uh, Alaska, amazing! Like the sights, the sounds, everything was pretty spectacular. Um, I posted a lot of pictures, which I don't usually do, um, on, on the gram. Uh, and, but it was, it was intriguing. I've never done a cruise. Uh, I, I might do a cruise again, but I'm not sure. Uh, it'll probably be a while. And, and now I understand why people like are super old on cruises. Cause it's like, if you want to keep traveling, it gives you another Avenue to keep traveling. Once you uh, get to an age where it's difficult to like get on planes and take trains and move from one city to the next and all that stuff. So Sean, we, uh, first of all, uh, let's just take care of the business stuff. If you're watching here on uh, YouTube and you don't mind subscribe to the channel and give us a thumbs up. 
Uh, that helps the algorithm, of course. Uh, that would be cool. Um, let's see. Number two, we had off the record with the King's Beat virtual happy hour part 15, the tandem with Deuce and Mo uh, nice. on Thursday. Yeah, Sean wasn't able to make it. Brendan was able to make it. Uh, but I, it was a tremendous success. Uh, the happy hours are incredible. I love them. They're so much fun. Uh, Deuce and Mo were incredible, and we had a good time uh, talking about all kinds of craziness and you know, sort of their path and uh, like all of our paths and 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 how this uh, this world of podcasting and what we do here, uh, it's just like a a really wide open world that it, there's room for everybody. And I thought it was spectacular to have them on there. Good. A good guest to kick off the the training camp and and training camp, I mean, and media day type season uh, because you know they they're both like they're so positive they got a, a good spirit about them. Um, yeah, that's a tough one to miss. I wish I had been able to uh, hop on that one. I was uh, absent because of a second concert in consecutive days. I went and saw uh, Coldplay <laughs> on Wednesday with her. Her opened the Vallejo, you know, Vallejo Zone. Her opened up uh, for Coldplay on at Snapdragon Stadium. And then on uh, Thursday, uh, which was the day of the happy hour, uh, my first time seeing Odessa, which is kind of more like an EDM, which isn't totally like my my thing, but um, what an experience. Uh, they're headlining festivals all over the world, and uh, it was quite uh the experience so i really really that so yeah okay uh, you know i've been working with kyle the last couple of weeks and kyle is like got me listening well i'm not listening yet but he he's used our rejoiner music he started to uh -huh. do like a bunch of k-pop all right and it's yeah it's really cool like into I, bts I'm, and all that or yeah, a little bit further yeah. down no the bts uh bts and then um something cats uh yeah. like I, I don't know like whatever it is like it's really cool I, i'm down um I, I probably need to you know find a way to listen to more of it because it's just really you know lots of energy and and lots of cool uh vibes like going into our rejoiners nice. i'm always open yeah. to listen to new stuff uh i know that yeah, yeah yeah so i i don't think i'll ever go to country stuff but outside of that i'm, I'm pretty wide open Hey man, uh, I'm I'm really into Zach Bryan right now. He's he's uh he's pretty impressive. That's a fun. Uh, he's got a great voice, and I am uh as, especially if country steers more poppy. I'm definitely into it. But okay, yeah, All right. check out Zach Bryan. Think you might like him. Okay, um, let's get to uh let's get to basketball. We do have a bunch yes. of stuff to like cover. Um. I'll start with this. There's a report this morning that uh, from Keith Smith, which is totally a reliable guy, um, that the uh, the Sacramento Kings have signed James Akinjo. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, like that's I don't even think that's going to be like a training camp deal. Uh, that's going to be like one of those things, I believe, where you sign somebody to waive them uh, and then give them some money and potentially have them show up in your G League camp. Um, maybe I'm wrong there, but, uh, and we had heard his name before, right? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, that's definitely something that appears to have happened. Um, it's not on the NBA's, uh, list of transactions and it's also not something I've been able to confirm myself. Uh, but it kind of goes with this, uh, this trend that the Kings have been filling out 
their training camp roster uh, building up to, to Monday's media day. Uh, and so I have Frankie Cardicelli over uh, our friend Frankie uh, broke that the Kings had signed Chance Comanche. Mm -hmm. uh, we hadn't gotten to that yet because uh, I was in Alaska. And then our friend Brendan Nunez broke the, the news that Deontay Burton had signed with the Kings or is going to sign with the Kings. Neither of these have shown up on the transaction list. So I'm going to just like there's an order to things and a reason why they haven't released their their full roster yet because they're doing things like probably like the James Akinjo move. Um, but then, uh, Sean, uh, I was able to find out yesterday that the that Jeremy Lamb and Jalen Knoll are both uh, had both been are about to be signed and brought into camp uh, for for Monday. And uh, let's just let's start there. Um, well, I guess let's start with Chance and Deontay. I mean, these guys, they're both uh, they feel like they're G League additions. They both played for the Stockton Kings last year. Do you have any insight on these guys or, or things to add to that? Uh, not really. I mean, if, if they're they're familiar faces, like you mentioned with Stockton and even the Akinjo deal. I mean, his rights were traded to Stockton from, I believe it was Westchester, if I'm not mistaken. I could I could be mistaken there, but he's a guy who's twelve. Oh, that's right. as well. So uh, yeah. I think when you think of those three guys, it's like you 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 certainly will rec you will uh identify some players within the stockton organization and help not only find them a little bit more cash elevate them a little bit and get them some experience in the early goings of training camp uh certainly and i think having those guys around the nba roster especially if they're they're going to be featured players on your g league squad is 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 a positive thing um get some of the at least the the taste of what the NBA is like and what the NBA club will have going forward, um, kind of the teachings and wisdoms of the of the coaching staff, and then that will now carry over into what com comes of the season um, and try to keep as much continuity as possible, or if there can be any continuity, obviously of playing fast and certain principles on the offensive end and defensive end and things they're trying to implement. So. Uh, yeah, these are all moves for for really for Stockton, and except for the, with the case of what you reported yesterday with um, some some guys that have a little bit more NBA experience, like Jeremy Lamb, second stint with the with the um, with the Kings, and then um, obviously uh, Jalen Newell, who has a lot of offensive pop to his game, uh, coming from Minnesota. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I just spent uh, here in San Diego the first couple days with a, a good buddy of mine who I worked with at channel 10 back in the day and uh, KHTK uh, Pierre Newsham. And he covers the Timberwolves out in Minneapolis and uh, was curious. He's wondering, he's wondering why he hadn't seen news of what anyone signing Jalen Newell and when, what was going on there, because uh, he's a guy who's been able to impress some people with his offensive game and uh, obviously didn't have a ton of opportunity. Um, but here he is in Sacramento and, um, it, it, it's an interesting kind of fit as he looks to battle for a roster spot, but that might be a guy who, even if it doesn't happen here in Sacramento, and I would predict, I would predict that it doesn't, uh, what interest he might have uh, once training camp and preseason uh, kind of draws to a close. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, to Newell, um, this is a 24 year old guy who averaged 10.8 points per game last season. Like he, he played in 65 games from Minnesota Timberwolves and he's been part of the rotation for the last three years. He is 
a solid offensive player. And, you right. know, I think the he really struggled last season with his three-point shot, but that seemed like an anomaly. Like, he shot 39.4% the year before, and then last year j- dipped all the way down to 28.9%. Uh, but, Sean, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, can they get – is this a potential 3 and D guy, right? And I went to his defensive metrics, and the answer is no. No, he's like that. <laughs> no, no, he he allowed an on average uh, his opponent to shoot seven point seven percent higher than their standard their their standard average uh, from the field last season, and he was okay from fifteen feet out. I think it was two two percent higher from fifteen feet out and 05 percent higher from the three point line, but. Uh, that doesn't bode well for him getting, you know, allowing players to get by him. So uh, someone had mentioned this on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but that his game is very similar to Terrence Davis. And I, I, I look at both players in sort of the same tree. Like they, they are very athletic. Uh, they don't mind putting someone on a poster. They have some pop to their game. They're physical players. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, they need to figure out how to play defense in order to consistently get minutes, especially on a team like the Kings. So, um, you know, we've seen Jeremy Lamb. Of course, Jeremy Lamb came over in the trade for Demonis Sabonis. Uh, and, uh, okay, so uh, I do have this confirmed now. On, on background, uh, I can, you know, just right. basically tell you that uh, the Sacramento Kings did sign and waive James Akinjo yesterday. Uh, so he is now basically, I'm sure they gave him a little bit of, uh, of a pop there, a little bit of money, uh, to, to keep him around. Um, they, they recently traded for G league rights and this was a move for Stockton. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it's, it's a way for them to give him a little bit of extra money. Uh, so that's taken care of now the Jeremy lamb situation, um, Again, he came over with Sabonis and and Justin Holiday in the Tyrese Halliburton trade uh, for with Buddy Hield, and I thought he looked good, Sean. I like I I you know we've seen Jeremy Lamb from afar in the past, but if was it just me? Or, he, he seemed to have a lot more game than I remember. Yeah, no, I I, I really enjoyed. Um... Jeremy Lamb with the Kings. He, I thought he was um, very impactful. I thought he really impacted some of the defensive things they were trying to do in team concepts. I, I liked him a lot. Um, there were, I think, some up and down things there. I think he had kind of a lot going on also um, from a fit I, standpoint. Yeah, What's, I think he had some personal stuff going on too. Yeah, um, but then he didn't play last year, right? No, he didn't play at all last year. He didn't yeah. find him, his way onto an NBA roster. And I don't know if that's because he was kind of, you know, like, I, I don't know if he if he w- needed a year off to heal up and like to get ready or or if he just wasn't someone that that other teams were looking at. I was kind of surprised he wasn't in the league because he's super smooth. Like he looks like a high end ball player and he's a guy who's yeah. averaged 15 points a game in a season and 10 points for his career. Yeah, him him not being on a roster last year was very uh, surprising, and hopefully that had more to do with maybe um, just the adjustment. I mean, coming off of a trade, he's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't you know I wouldn't bet that either one of these guys uh, finds a 
finds a way onto the roster, it'd be kind of a cool story if it if it if that was to happen. But um, you can kind of see what they're what they're looking at with with bringing in two guys in kind of a two guard situation. Neither one of them, in my opinion, are, you know, handle the ball that well, um, but would certainly find a, 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 a find a path onto the team. Um, in you know, everyone looks at that third guard situation, the third point guard, and. Um, saying, oh, you don't really don't have anybody, and I think the Kings would push back that they do with having so many ball handlers on the um, on the roster and people that they trust to be able to make plays. So um, whether that be Domas, Malik, Kevin Herter, um, even Chris Duarte, uh, yeah. So I, I don't think that the Kings would agree with a lot of the fans and saying, hey, we have a hole here. And if any if anywhere, finding defense would be kind of a a nice little addition, <laughs> if you will, but um, that doesn't happen with Jeremy Noel, or, or excuse me, with Jalen Noel. So um, to do that with uh, maybe Jeremy Lamb and somebody who has a little bit more experience under his belt, um, certainly he's he's been a veteran in this league and and has played with uh, some of these guys um, and has a familiarity that he could give him a, a kind of a leg up on some competition there. But uh, I don't know that I would bet on it, James. Yeah, I- I'm going to say the same thing, Sean. Uh, like it's going to be difficult for either one of these guys to make the final roster. I think the Kings, like if I were a betting man, I would say there's a better chance of them going into the season with a 14 man roster than them going into the season with a full 15. Uh, it's possible that, that maybe uh, Noel or, or, or lamb like stand out and you're like, Hey, let's, let's keep them around at least temporarily. Uh, I, I can only imagine that both of these are like very low guaranteed contracts going into camp. And so you'd have until, you know, January, uh, I think it's January 9th or January 10th to decide if you want to keep them or not. But, you know, if, if you, if you need the body, that's one thing, but I kind of look at both of these guys kind of like in the same vein that like PJ Dozier, right. Last season and like whether he was going to be on the roster or not, you kind of figured he wasn't, but uh, you never know. I like, I think the Kings are open to, like if somebody jumps out at you and, and looks way better. I The one guy I would say is that, uh, is that Jalen Noel, um, the fact that he's 24 and then right. he played in 65 games and averaged 19 minutes a game and he's been in the rotation of the Timberwolves the last couple of years, that at least gives you some intrigue. You know, he is a player who's stuck in the league and the fact that he was available right now is kind of a strange thing. You know, like I, there, there's a reason. And I mean, it's the same thing out there. Everyone, you know, wants to know why Terrence Davis isn't on a roster. It's kind of the same, same deal. Like he's a bubble player, like whether he's a back end of your rotation uh, or not, you don't know. And then if he's not in the back end of your rotation, you might be able to get someone a little bit younger that, you know, a second round pick that you're, you're going to spend some time developing and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah. And, you know, on that note, like, is there a reason why you would you would go with someone like Noel at this point as opposed to just saying, hey, why not just bring back Terrence Davis? Um, that's a good question. I, I think I, I think that's a question probably easily more answered by the agents of those two players. And I'm thinking of reason, you know, looking at the Warriors too, like the Warriors, the Warriors just went out and got Rudy Gay. Um, yeah, to battle for a training camp roster, and I think some of these players would rather not be looked at as tertiary pieces that are battling for training camp spots and would rather sign guaranteed contracts or perceived guaranteed contracts, or at least a one-year deal uh, that, that sets them up a little bit better. And I think with somebody like Terrence Davis, 
the reali- the realization that there are a lot of teams that he doesn't necessarily fit right now to uh, and, and would be more of a, well, let's see what it looks like. Come on in and, and let's see if you can battle here and, 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 and earn a spot as opposed to coming in and actually having one that's notched kind of carved out for you a little bit. Um, sometimes that, and I think you can use Jeremy Lamb as an example. I mean, he's 31. You're talking about Noel, who's, what did you say, 20, 21? 24. 24. Or 24, excuse me. I, w- I was, yeah, 20, 24. Um, I mean, there's such a vast contrast in, in experience and ages in age there. But certainly offensive pop, which you've seen with Noel, and you've seen a guy who's been able to fit in very, very well uh, with many, with Minnesota. But even still, like, why wouldn't Minnesota have them, you know, have him come back? Maybe he's expecting more. And then as the summer goes on, oh, my gosh, you have training camp right around the corner. Now you have to sign somewhere not speaking for Terrence Davis, but that could be a situation where maybe he's just better off waiting to see some of the training camp uh, pieces kind of work themselves out and then try to hop on somewhere. I don't know. Um, I I think it's a tough, I think it's a tough uh, evolution, if you will. Like it's like at one point you were a guy who thought of with the, you know, possibility of being a future of a team and and you signed a contract and, uh, or excuse me, you come to a different team and, and you, you it's it represents a fresh start, but it's not like you were a rotational piece or a steadily rotation steady rotational piece. Certainly yeah. you've shown flashes of what you can do. And I think for the players who tend to be a little bit more one dimensional, and what I mean by that is you're only known for one thing in terms of oh, you can score the basketball, that's great. But what else can you do and what else do you excel at? And because everybody in this league, James, most of them can all score the basketball. And if you can't, let's pretend you're not a good shooter. Well, you're usually really, really good at two or three other things, which gives you a nice niche and can bring you onto a, a squad to give you a home. And with respect to Terrence Davis, who really plays hard, I feel, and um, goes out there and competes and and, and all that. Um, what's the one thing you would say he he does really, really well outside of kind of getting on a streak and scoring the basketball it's it that's hard that's kind of harder to find so Jalen might fit that kind of same path a little bit um and certainly there can be room for guys in the league for the on teams for guys like that but uh teams like to fill their rotations or in their their rosters with guys that can do a lot of things uh on the floor very very well yeah, and I, I would say the second that the Kings traded for Chris Duarte, that was the end of yeah. of Terrence Davis in Sacramento. And and I'll bring this up too. Like we already look at this team and we see that there's like a nine and a half, ten man rotation already set. Like you see the rotation and whether, you know, uh Trey Lyles plays in a game or they go with uh JaVale McGee. Like you can see like who the top 10 guys are and even who the top 11 guys are. And then we start getting into like an Alex Len, uh, who was kind of a breaking case of emergency player last year and will probably be in the same role this year. Uh, Maybe he'll have a little bit more opportunity, but I don't think so. Uh, And then after him, you know, you start getting into like the Kessler Edwards and, uh, you know, Colby Jones and, and all of a sudden we're out of roster spots. And this team is deep. And if you were going to go back to Terrence Davis and try to bring him back in, it would be telling Terrence Davis, like, we'll consider you bringing you back maybe, but you're going to be like the 12th or 13th guy on this roster, which means that your opportunity is not going to be there. So maybe it's better for you to go find a different opportunity out there. And 
And I think, you know, again, with Chris Duarte, you bring in a, a guy like him who he can fill the offensive game that, uh, that we saw from Terrence Davis. He's not the, the crazy streaky, you know, get you 30 points every once in a while type player, but he's a really good defender and he brings something else to the game that Terrence didn't. And so I, I understand why they went and upgraded that position. And I also understand why they'd kick a tire, the tires on a player like Terrence Davis, just in case, like it, it's okay to have an electric sco- uh, scorer hiding deep on your bench, just in case. And if somehow he does make the roster. Okay. Definitely. Uh, yeah. That would make sense to me. Uh, Sean, do you think there's any, we've got training camp starting on Tuesday. We've got media day. First of all, what are you, what are you excited to see on, on Monday with, with, uh, with media day? Is there a player or, or something that you want to see, uh, just on that first day? Cause it's like, it's like back to school day for us. Like everyone's out there and you're, you're waiting to see like who came in eight pounds lighter or, or six pounds heavier or whatever. Uh, there is like that that just wanting to get your eyes on the player's deal. No, no, I, I, I mean, I wish I could play the part. I, I, it's nothing. It, media day is just a drain. It's not, it is. It, it, <laughs> first of all, it, it's, it's not a drain for us. I mean, necessarily, it's just, it's, it's a necessary evil. We get it, but it's just not the best for anybody. You know, it's like, let's, they rotate, you know, the player for all to, to from station to station. They're they're uh, usually pretty in good spirits, I would say. Um, yeah. And uh, there's some there's some fun moments that tend to come from media day, and a lot of them tend to be with the little, you know, game night stuff that they do that find them way, their way into a lot of the um, little stuff that you see in, in on the video board uh, during timeouts of games. And, and those are all very, very fun and, and unique and, and creative. And those are great. Um, but then you go talk to the media and it's a lot of the same questions. What did you do on the summer? Where do you get better? What are the goals? How do you get, you know, so it's, um, I don't think there's a lot that's, that's learned from media day. There are exceptions. I mean, I can remember when, I mean, shoot, when Vince Carter was a Sacramento King, which is one of the coolest things as a media member you can have covering a Sacramento team because that's where you look and go, oh, there's a Hall of Fame player that I get to actually cover in this league uh, that has come through Sacramento. Don't get to do that a whole lot. And even if he is on the tail end of his career, I mean, that's a that's a freaking legend there. And he fit the part like he was he was uh, a dream uh, from a media standpoint. and I think De'Aaron Fox uh, going into his first year with Luke Walton was a that would I, th- I remember that media scrum very very well. Uh, I remember there was a lot to that that to me signified a moment where De'Aaron was on a different wavelength than what he was in previous years, where where basketball all of a sudden was a I don't want to call it a a business or a job, but it might not it might not have been as fun as it once was, um, if that makes sense. And I think if people go back and uh, and and watch that media day scrum, you might pick up what I'm what I'm laying down there because he I lost just remember. His joy. Yeah, I, nah, I wouldn't even call it that. It's just some. It's just a. Um, it, it signified a looking around, saying, "I'm looking at other NBA teams, and we're not getting better." You know, I, I look at, I look at. I'm speaking from a deer and Fox standpoint, but I think he put a lot of that on himself um, as well. But 
it was clearly like the the I need help kind of a thing. And that's even before Tyrese Halliburton had landed in Sacramento too. So um, yeah, there was a, if you James likes to call it joy. Um, I, I just feel like there was a, that was the, 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 the most noticeable um, moment. And you're going into a season where it just doesn't every look, everyone in media day feels great from a player standpoint, because no one's lost yet. So everyone has these, these upswings of, Oh yeah, we can do this. And it's a lot of optimism as it, as it probably should be. But I think that team was very, <laughs> you probably shouldn't have had much optimism around that team because it wasn't very good. Um, but there were ways to get better and there were ways to improve for a lot of players. And I think the goals were a little bit more realistic um, than, you know, playoffs and postseason, And they just a little bit smaller and attainable goals at that point. So um, as far as this Monday though, I think everyone's going to be very, very happy um, because they're coming off of a very, very successful season. And I think there's an excitement for this team to be able to build upon what they did last year and improve upon what they did last year and show that last year was no fluke and to replicate last year. And I think all eyes are going to go kind of in the way of Keegan Murray, see how much he's added because he's noticeably bigger. Um, and, and we've seen that throughout the, throughout the various moments we've been able to interact with him in the, uh, in the summer. But, and I think a lot of it will go to Sasha Vezenkov as well, because Vezenkov as well, because you're going to see him in a King's uniform for the first time and that'll be neat. Um, and then, but really getting beyond Monday, my focus is all Tuesday because Tuesday is where, uh, I think that, that, that you just get a little bit more excited and, and some of the, the media, uh, tends to thin out a little bit more. Uh, even though I do think we're gonna have a lot of media attention this year, which is good, but um, I think so yeah, too. Media day, it'll. I, I do think that's a good thing, but um, yeah, I think it'll it'll finally get a little bit more about uh, basketball and what lies ahead, and then um, get into training camp and the minutia of everything, and that to me will be a little bit more fun. Yeah, I think Sean and I are so used to we get done with media day, and then by like the fourth day of training camp, it's me, Sean and Jason Anderson from the B and that's it. (laughs) And that's just not going to be the case anymore that uh, like this year, there's going to be a lot of media and there, there has been an uptick in media coverage, whether it's the other local stations covering more or it's uh, you know, it's more writers popping up from different outlets or it seemed like this weird thing we have going on right now where, just a bunch of writers have moved to Sacramento and the, in this, in the Sacramento metropolitan area over the last, like I'd say two or three years, whether it's uh, Chris Haynes or Anthony Slater. Um, so we have more of those guys who don't really cover the Kings, but who cover other teams or cover national stuff. And so we might have a few more people around, especially with, you know, the Kings actually uh, showing up and, and being good last season. Being relevant, um, relevant is the is is the word there, and and to be that's the best part. I mean, people who live in the Sacramento region, they already know that it's a great place to live. But if you're an NBA national person, it's like this is this is a great spot because you've got the Warriors right down the street. You've got a short plane ride to L.A. to Phoenix to you know L.A. even Denver and Utah. So in Portland, so um, yeah, it, it's it's very convenient. Plus, like. Let's be honest, when the visiting teams come through, um, you don't have to deal with the masses in bigger cities. So it gives you great access to a lot of those visiting teams when they pop through Sacramento. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And we'll like Sam Amick has always lived here, but uh, we'll just add him to that group as well as someone who pops in, you know, friend of the show here, Sam. Um, uh, Sean, let's get to the big news of the week, which is not Kings related. What was that? Uh, yeah. Did we miss Did you miss uh, while you were at a concert? Did you miss that Damian Lillard <laughs> was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks? I did uh, not. Sorry, wild. Miami. Man, we were in the, right in the middle of a show. Uh, Kyle and I, and we go to break and we were going to talk about the weird, uh, stuff that Channing Fry had talked about with, um, with like, he's played in games that he thought were rigged, whether it was just like, not who's going to win or lose a game, but more about like point spreads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we were all lined up. We go to break just as we're about to come out of break, like 30 seconds left. I said, Oh my gosh, Kyle, the, the, Blazers just traded Damian Lillard to the uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks for Drew Holiday and DeAndre Aiden's going to to Portland and like it was a it was jarring and it was crazy. Uh, what was your initial thoughts like? Because I, I kind of like the trade. Um, I, I want to see what they get for Drew before I make a final judgment on what I think Portland got for their franchise player. But I kind of like there's so many aspects to this trade that. Uh, that I think are cool. Like, I think it's cool that Damian Lillard did not get to go to the Miami Heat. And I think, like, whatever he does going forward will feel more authentic and more on brand with who Dame has always been because he went to a smaller market like Milwaukee. Uh, You know, even if, you know, they did win a championship recently, even if they do have Giannis Antetokounmpo, I don't care. Just that, that landing spot feels more authentic for him. I mean, I felt like my brain was scrambled that, that, that I was like, how, in the, how on earth did that happen? And, and I like, I, I don't know about you, James, but I love when I actually see something that can surprise you when you don't have a whole lot of like linkage or reports that are, I'll give you an example. Let's go back even further when, you know, transactions and internet and gossip and rumor wasn't what it once was. But when before, then we can make it Kings oriented because before Peja Stojakovic ever found his way to Indiana and Ron Artest found his way to Sacramento, that had been a rumored trade for like over a year. Yeah. And it, it was like nonstop. Um, and, and obviously with all the, you know, stuff that had happened with, with Artest and, and it, with the Pacers and obviously the brawl and all that stuff, my goodness, to see him in a, in a Kings uniform, uh, was was kind of like well I guess I mean we heard about it for so long to see it finally happen is weird. I love when you can just see something that comes out of nowhere and and no one had a like a finger on the pulse of what was going to happen because if you remember just a day or two before that, you know the Toronto rumors were really heating up. You know, much like I mean I think Kings fans can kind of relate because there's been so much noise around Toronto um, for really the better part of two seasons. Uh, you know, what will happen with Pascal Siakam? What will happen with OG Ananobi? Like, wh- what direction is this Raptors team going with or going? And and even seeing going back to the trade deadline last year uh, where they looked like to become players rather than sellers um, even kind of surprised some people. But to see Milwaukee go out and do that to a – let's face it, I do think it was a, 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 um, a franchise that needed a little bit of a shaking up. I didn't expect it to be Drew Holiday, and I didn't expect it to be Damian Lillard making it. Uh, making coming over, but but once they kind of re-upped Chris um, Middleton, it, how do you keep Giannis happy? I mean, that's the overall 
kind of theme in the background that just just that's just kind of haunting the the organization is like will he sign this extension will he commit to milwaukee long term and that's always seems to be the question mark like what will happen with Giannis and the bucks and going out there and 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 having the report i know brian windhorse shed light on this uh just yesterday where they can go out as an organization and pull a trigger on that and you're thinking well they have to have had Giannis's blessing to trade an all-star like drew holiday right evidently not so oh to me i think it was brilliant that the bucks could do something like this because even though yes like dame lillard is a little bit longer in the tooth in in the sense of you know but if but if something if something happens to uh to Giannis and he bounces and goes elsewhere um that's a pretty nice piece to to still have around your organization and try to build around to be successful i don't get me wrong losing Giannis would be a colossal fucking failure i'm not saying that dame lillard makes it any better but in a weird way it does like like it, it, it's if you have to start over again and you have dame lillard and some really nice pieces in the fact that you lost Giannis, i mean it'll be easier to recover from than doing a huge reset in my opinion so um I, I do think but but i think on the flip side of that coin is that i think the pairing of Giannis with a lot of these veteran pieces that they already have that have championship experience with damian lillard who would love to get to that plateau i think is going to be beautiful for them i think it's an absolute perfect pairing and i think it's going to go really really well in milwaukee yeah i'll say this i think the the milwaukee bucks are uniquely built to take on a poor defensive player like damian lillard uh you know the length of of Giannis, the length of middleton um the defensive you know uh, brooke lopez was second in defensive player of the year uh, voting so you you have and Bobby Portis, excellent defender. You have all these mechanisms right. in place to support them, and his ability. I, I even I was surprised by this, but you know last season he shot like thirty. He averaged over thirty three points per game, but he shot thirty seven point four percent from from three. I believe his number, and Drew Holiday was actually a better three point shooter than him. But that doesn't matter. The fear of Dame, what he does to a team on the on the offensive end. The fact that you have to pick him up at midcourt and that you can't allow him even a little bit of space at 35 feet because he'll just hoist and hit, it just changes everything for that team. I mean, that's going to be one of the most devastating duos. And I know this week, like Kyle and I uh, on the Insiders, we we talked a lot about like who are the best duos in the game. Like that instantly becomes like the first or second or third best duo in the game. I don't think there's any question. And I, yeah. I also like again. I I feel like if he would have gone to Miami, like he would have spent the next like three or four years getting, especially if they won, getting the Kevin Durant treatment, where people around the league are like, "Well, you just went somewhere to win, and, and that's trash," you know. But I I just don't feel that that you have that same understanding about the Milwaukee Bucks because sure they've been good and they they've won a title here, but at the same time you they're not a perennial title contender for the last three decades where you're always thinking of them in that light. They've had moments where they were good, like in the early two thousands, but they've also had other moments where they're bad and they're a team a lot like Portland where any star uh, like sort of star quality that they've had, it's had to be homegrown, you know, like Giannis is a homegrown guy, uh, Middleton homegrown, but you know, Michael red, just keep going back like throughout their history 
they they've done a good job of doing exactly what Portland tried to do for years. And that is draft well and, and like develop players and, and try to keep them in your city and try to sell them on, you know, being the big, the big uh, fish in a little pond. And so this was, this was huge. I thought it was incredible to watch it all play out. I thought the postmortem got filthy, like right away. And it was weird. There's almost like a buildup to it, right? It was like you saw someone come out with a little bit of reporting on some of the the wonkiness with the the transaction, and then all of a sudden Amix comes out with his. But Amix was pretty tame. It was it was pretty like balanced and nice, and you know, like it, it kind of told both sides. And then Chris Haynes' piece clearly, and I, I think he was open about it. It was from Dame's side, his point, the agent, and and Dame's point of view. Uh, with quotes and everything else, I mean, it was wild, but just throwing the the Bucks. I mean, I mean the, uh, the throwing yeah. Joe Cronin under the bus, like they they threw him under the bus, and then they they put it in reverse and backed it up over him and ran him over again, and then tried to reverse again and made sure he was nice and flat. Like that was that was a violent violent way to see a trade. You know, like going all the way to the hey, uh, we tried to rescind our trade request. Like, wait a sec. Did you really like this? Like, yeah, it, this is it, this ugly. is gross. It's just gross. And, and look, uh, it it kind of reminds me a lot about um, the KG Minneapolis uh, situation. I mean, that guy can't really he doesn't really go back there. And then that has to do more so with with ownership than it does with really, I think, the front office. But one kind of bleeds into the other. And the last thing I want to see is a situation where Dame Willard doesn't go back to Portland where he's celebrated and uh, you know, means a lot to that city and in and, and that franchise, even though, you know, look, they didn't win anything, but it's a lot like, you know, look when Mitch Richmond's tenure ended in Sacramento, it wasn't the best, you know, it no. needed to have, it needed to happen. And it, uh, it wasn't the best and it's it was, still, it got yeah. ugly, yeah. but that also had to do more with money. Um, than, than really anything else. And the NBA and contracts were a lot different back back then. And the problem for Mitch Richmond was he wasn't paid market value um, playing in Sacramento. And granted, they weren't good. So it was it was he was a he was a nice fish in a small pond. And yes, he was the second best two guard, uh, arguably in in my opinion, it's not arguably, but arguably in the NBA. Um, and he was not nearly paid like it. And so it got ugly. And, uh, you know, you don't see Mitch Richmond in Sacramento a whole lot anymore. And I, I, those people are all are long gone there. There's obviously ties to the organization he still has that are, they're a little different, but um, KG doesn't go to Minneapolis and, and Glenn Taylor is gone. You know, you got yeah. Alex Rodriguez coming in and KG hopefully will be celebrated the way he should be. And, and hopefully some of those things get ironed out. But I don't want to see that happen with Dame Lillard and Portland. You know, you don't want to see your your star player who's part of the the fabric of your organization and one of the faces of your organization for the better part of two decades not be welcomed back. And I'd also caution Dame Lillard, like, you may have some strong feelings towards members of that organization. And I think he's done a a decent job for the most part. I think there would be a lot of Blazer fans who disagree, but I still think he's done a decent job separating the two of Portland and the fans. And uh, cause I, I'm glad. And I also, for because of this, what I'm about to say is like, 
I'm happy that this trade has happened even before training camp opens. I'm glad Dame Willard is out of Portland. Um, essentially got what he wanted. Yeah, it's not to the destination that he wanted it to be, but also screw you. Like, you don't hold the cards here. Like, they can do everything in their power to put you in a good situation, but they're going to do what's best for their team. And that's how it is. And you may have these places where you'd like to go, but at the end of the day, they don't have to trade you. And I, I've said as much with the whole Kawhi Leonard situation when it was back in San Antonio. Uh, it, it, it worked out, fortunately, for Toronto, but they, you know, they don't have to trade you right away. So um, I'm glad it didn't get to a part where that city and the, that organization or, and those fans of that organization are, are booing Lillard. I mean, can you imagine if he went out there and didn't play? I mean, I, I would imagine he would. But even still, like, you don't want to see a guy who represents your franchise for as long as he has and been the face of it get booed by that fan base it just gets ugly yeah and and i also think like you just look at the way that this team is built and like their future moving forward it's gonna be really tough for for joe cronin to like survive like a rebuild right he's got to hit like every single one of these things and he already hasn't hit on a couple and i really like scoot henderson i like Shaden sharp but four years from now when damian lillard's contract is up like I think there's a way for him to walk back in the door. And and I think there will be a different group of people likely running the franchise. And, and that's not me like calling my shot now. I'm just like, that's the way this game sure. goes. Right. And so uh I, I think that like bygones will be bygones. And and I also think he's handled himself like okay. I, I think just the the process and the agent involvement and I and I love Aaron Goodwin. I think he's a good guy, but like all of this stuff, it it left you the whole time kind of feeling like this wasn't like one of the, the better uh, transactions that we've seen go down in the league. Um, it real quick here, Sean, um, Deandre Ayton, what do you think of him in, in uh, Portland? And, and do you think they at least got a, on a path here or is that something you would not have done? No, I, I actually look. I think it's a better deal than anything they would have gotten from Miami, and and, and attaching another yeah. team to it like Phoenix uh, to get yourself a nice, you know, a guy who, let's face it, probably needed to change the scenery. Even Monty Williams being gone and him having the run, you know, Chris Paul out of that locker room, you know, they're going in a different direction um, in Phoenix. And I think Aiton could have been a part of it, but I think him going to a younger team, one that doesn't have expectations on it. I think kind of gives him a little bit more breathing room to help his development. And I think playing with so many young guards and guys that are going to be looking for him to run the floor and, 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 and be something that maybe he couldn't be in, in Phoenix playing in a style that, 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 you know, really kind of dribbles the shit out of the basketball and finds a shooter and has a superstar in KD. I mean, it, it's tougher. So I think he's going to be allowed to make mistakes. I think he's he's still a very, very young player that, in my opinion, needs further development. And I think putting him with a coach, like, I don't think Chauncey Billups is a bad coach. And I think he can help development. And I think DeAndre Ayton will, will fit in nicely with some of these pieces. But I think even though he's a little more of a veteran than a lot of the younger pieces on the Blazers team, I think he's right in line with needing some hand-holding along the way, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I actually I like him better with Scoot Henderson than uh, than I do with um, with the guys that are going to be running the show, and, and whether it's uh, whether it's Booker or whether it's Bradley Bill, whoever it is is right. running the point there. I, I like Aiton in a pick and roll 
with with Scoot and with Shaden Sharp. And I think Aiden is probably going to average 20-something points a game. And, like, his numbers will look way better in Portland. I, I don't know if he'll be a better player. I, I just know his right. numbers His numbers are due for, like, a gigantic leap. If, if he averaged 24 and 11 this year, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, when you, and then when you look at what the Suns got, right, like you're getting – role players guys that understand what they what their what their role will be on a team that features people like devin book and bradley devin booker bradley beal and kevin durant um and and it's exactly what you want you've got a guy in Nurkic that obviously hasn't not been able to stay healthy i mean that's been such the knock on him and if he can somehow stay healthy i think he'd be a nice fit with these players even grace and allen even some of the other pieces that they've added i mean these are guys that come in and automatically know what they're supposed to do uh, on this team. And I think DeAndre Ayton coming to Phoenix now has a, a little bit more of a ceiling where it's like, okay, look at this, look at this. I, I can spread my legs here. I can kind of get some necessary development and be able to. Your wings, spread your wings. There we go. Well, I, I also say kick your legs out too, because I mean, not spread your legs. That's terrible, <laughs> but like Kick your feet up, man. Like, seriously, you've got, you've got some room Uh, you got some room here now you know take i agree space (laughs) i think it gives it gives uh like the potential to blow up i also think like if you take nurkic and you take a grayson allen uh they're both they have an edge to them there's a physicality to them a a, a, even like a dirtiness at some point to them and i think that that's something the phoenix needed big time like the physicality of those two players and the fact that all of a sudden you've got Nurkic who uh, to me, he's, he's not as good as Aiton, but he sets a much better screen, a screen with elbows that people feel. And that's not something that Aiton was going to do. And then I also think the sneaky thing here, I think Nasir little might be right. like the steal of that trade for, for uh, Phoenix. Nasir little is a, is a guy who, Portland was in love with, in love with him uh, like two years ago. And he's that, that long athletic defensive guy that, you know, they might, they, they really needed. I don't even think they, they had a starting five before he lands there. And I think now he could, he could even find his way to a starting job uh, starting in the, in the front court alongside Nurkic and, um, and Kevin Durant. So I think that's a really, really solid pickup. Um, I, I'm going to ask you this one, and, and I kind of have my answer already. Like, I, sure, but I don't think there's any way to do it. But if you're the Kings, are you calling at least on the Drew Holiday situation? I mean, do some due diligence, right? What would it take to acquire? You, you'd kind of yeah. need to know. But yeah, I don't really see anything happening there. Uh, and I think, again, like when people look at what Portland did, it's like, yeah, you can move drew holiday if you want um i think most people would probably expect them to do so um with you know with the respect to drew holiday but at the same time it's like having him and scoot and and you know i mean maybe that i mean with simon's over there i mean you've got a lot of you got a lot of interesting pieces i think i don't know how well it all fits but i don't know that you have to i think you could be i mean you just you just traded an all-star and landed an all-star you know what i mean you weren't going to do that really with miami no, that's true. And I, I would also, if I'm Portland, I'd at least consider holding on to him till December 15th yes. or, or January 1st. 
Um, you know, because then you open yourself up to other teams. So like the Sacramento Kings right now for the Kings to trade for Drew Holiday would be nearly impossible. Um, just the, the dollars and cents, it, it just doesn't make, it doesn't work out because he makes like 37 million bucks and you got to be within 125% of that because you're a cap team, your team is over the cap in order to make that trade. And the Kings could probably do it, but it, it would have to be like a five for one. It would have to be like, and I'm just going to like, this isn't me saying I would trade this or, or the, but the, the numbers wise, it would cost you Davion Mitchell. It cost you Kevin Herter. It would cost you Chris Duarte. And then it would cost you two more minimum scale players. So you'd have to throw like Kessler Edwards and Colby Jones in there. It'd have to be a five for one in order for the actual con contract to work out. And that's really tough to do the weekend before training camp starts. Now, and with respect, with respect to even that, and if you're Portland, you're going, yeah, that's not good enough. I need, well, I, I mean, first round pick. I want, you know, there's, you're going to give them picks and stuff like that. Like the Kings have picks and and all that, but I mean, I think that's where you start. And I'm just talking about the nuts and bolts of what would work in a contract. Um, you know, yeah. I guess you could you could do something with uh, Malik Monk, but the Kings, I don't believe, are 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 in any world where they're they consider that. Uh, as part of a deal and so like how do you how do you go out and get a, a player like that um i, I don't know it, it would be very difficult now you get to december 15th and all of a sudden trey lyle's contract is is tradable you get to december 29th and harrison barnes's contract is is tradable now we're talking about potential three team deals and like who lands where um, you know, again, if Portland wants to bring in a DeAndre Ayton, who's 25, 26, I, it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility that they would look at Davion Mitchell and Kevin Herter and, uh, Chris Duarte as part of a young core that moves forward with DeAndre Ayton and, you know, they still have Jeremy Grant. So I'm, I'm not saying that that would be like a deal that wouldn't work, uh, for, for Portland, especially if you have draft capital, but it would gut all your depth if you're the Kings and it would totally change everything that you did this off season, which was run it back continuity, keep the team together, see what they can do year two. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that I think drew holiday in a backcourt with De'Aaron Fox would be incredible. So did, did you just said that, of course it would be incredible. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be it. I was going to brush that converse, that conversation away and kind of kind of restart there a little bit with a different conversation, but yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be absolutely awesome. And it'd be something that, especially with somebody like Sabonis still on the team and um, some of the shooting that you guys, that they would have around them. Yeah, it would be incredible. But to pivot away from that a little bit. Yeah. To pivot, uh, how do you look at Phoenix now? Did they get better in your I mean, I, I think they got better, no question. But did, does that do anything to where you look at them any differently in the... I don't know where you had them pegged before that trade in terms of where they rank in the West. I think in some of the early, you know, discussions that we'd had, you had some question marks around Phoenix a little bit. How about now? I did. I, I, I had a ton of question marks. Um, Like I like the addition to the depth and like, look, I don't like Grayson Allen as a player. Uh, I know he's How one of your, you? your dookies, I know, but <laughs> I, I don't like him as a player. I do like that he can space the floor and he gives them another three-point shooter because I think that team needed it. 
they need somebody who plays and he plays without the ball in his hands right so he he's an off-ball player which i think is something that when you have all those superstars you need um it if Nurkic could stay healthy then i actually like him a little bit better for that team than i do aiden even though i think aiden is a much better player and then i think the the nasir little addition again they were looking at having to start like eric gordon at power forward or or at small forward and that's not that's not quality especially just at his age and everything else like that's not something and you know they were gonna have to rely on you know this group of players a lot of people oh i like that signing i like this signing whether it's shimezi metu or you know they brought in a couple of like interesting guys who are role players none of them were championship quality role players that you can depend on today and know what you're going to get moving forward you know like the golden state warriors in their heyday you know, not only do they have a great starting five, but then they bring like David West off the bench. They bring Sean Livingston off the bench. They bring Andre Iguodala off the bench. Like the Warriors didn't, I mean, the the, the Suns did not have that uh, before this trade. And, and I just think that their depth got better. Like again, Grayson Allen started like 60 plus games last season for, for Milwaukee. Like you're getting a, a starter. You're getting, you know, starting center, a, a a guy who's going to be like probably the sixth man or seventh man in your rotation in Grayson Allen. Like, I think he did okay. Yeah. And I, and I know that's a big, it's a big question mark if, if Nurkic is going to be the Bosnian beast that he, that he is when he's healthy. But I yeah. like the fact that Phoenix went out and got a bunch of dudes that have some edge to them. I, I agree. Every, every one of them are like, like some physical type player who has an attitude who can bring who can bring it like they all have a dog in them basically and you're putting them on with a team that let's face it like Devin Booker gets the um is is like gets under the skin of opposition whether he adds some of these pieces or not he tends to do that does it with the Kings team uh pretty right with regularity um and I feel like all of a sudden this team kind of has a little bit of a dickhead to them. You know what I mean? Like they just, yeah. they do. And I don't think and, they were yeah, soft. But to that point, like, I, no, I don't think they were soft either, but I think that there was, I think they were more like, like, uh, I don't know. There's a different vibe that you get from them. Like almost like, right. they're, they're like, I think from a competitive standpoint, they're better. Like they're instantly yeah. better. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I, um I, I do think that, it makes you look at Phoenix a little bit differently. I mean, obviously Portland, you're still looking at as a non-factor in the West. So if your Kings, if, if you're looking at how your Kings shake shape up with the way the West stacks up, I think Phoenix got, I mean, I, yes, it's fair to say Phoenix, I think does get better, but I, but I still, if, if anyone had any doubts, it's like, no, I think, I think Phoenix is going to be at least at worst case, a top five team. Bar yeah. Oh no. Like in the Western conference. No, I totally Correct. agree. Yeah. Actually it brings us to, uh, we'll, we'll finish up here with the business of basketball. There it is. Sean, uh, this is, it's a great segue to, to the business of basketball because, um, you know, Vegas just put out, I, at least according to one, one outlet, one betting outlet that, that Shams had tweeted out, uh, they put the top 10 teams for, for betting odds with, uh, with regards to the NBA finals. Right. And I think it's, it's an interesting list and you're like, okay, uh, it all, it sort of does make sense. Some of it does make sense, but 
um, I'm just going to, I'm going to pull it up really fast. Like I think the odds, the favorites to win are now the bucks at plus 360. The second team is the Celtics at plus 500. And then the Suns mm-hmm. at plus 550. Then for some reason, all of those teams are above the nuggets at plus 650. Who the Nuggets are still the best team in basketball. I, I don't have any qualms about that. I don't have any problem saying that in, in my mind. Uh, the Lakers hmm. are the number five team at plus 1,200. Okay. Uh, then the Warriors are plus 1,700. Then the Cavs at plus 1,800. And then the number eight team is a surprising Grizzlies at plus 2,000. Hmm. Number nine is the Clippers at plus 2,100. And then number 10 is the Philadelphia 76ers who are a plus 2,400. So first of all, the Sixers have been devalued greatly in this, but uh, which they're running out there with basically the same team they had last year. Uh, I I find it interesting that there are six Western conference teams in that list and not one of them are the Sacramento Kings. Is that surprising to you? No, no, it's not. No, Vegas hates Vegas hates the Kings. That's and that's fine. Like, okay, if you're a Kings fan, yeah, go out there and bet out bet differently, and hopefully you win some money. Um, but yeah, no, it's not surprising. No, why would it be surprising? I don't know what the Kings are. I, I, I would say they're probably uh, like just looking at that list, probably like plus three thousand. But still, I, I'm if I'm looking at the Kings like from the outside, not as someone who mm-hmm. covers a team. And I looked at, they were the third seed in the Western conference. They won 48 games. They didn't do anything to take a step back where a lot of teams did. They didn't do anything to take some giant leap forward other than continuity and other than, you know, sticking with the same coaching staff and the same star players. But I, I would at least have to consider them a top 10 team in the league. I mean, because as of last year, I think there are number six to finish the in wins to finish the season. Like, I don't know how you devalue a team that much. And, and I guess there's a difference between predicting who's going to be there in the end, and 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 I guess win and lo- wins and loss totals, and and then I guess who's going to win a championship. So I will say of all the of all the teams you rattled off there, the Memphis one to me was the most surprising. Not the Cavs. The Cavs were surprising as well, but no, I, 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 I will take the Cavs. That would be probably the next surprising one, but I would take the, uh, the, 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 the Grizzlies to me as the most surprising that, that they fell there. Yeah. I would, I would bet against the Grizzlies heavily in yeah. that situation, but like just sure. because, you know, again, I, I don't think the Grizzlies have done enough in the off season. Uh, they added Marcus Smart, but at the same time, uh, they lost Tyus Jones and they lost uh, Dylan Brooks, and and then you still have, um, you know, your best players out for the first twenty five games of the season. Right. And so, uh, like Marcus Smart is a good player, but I don't think there's Very a huge difference between Marcus Smart and Dylan Brooks. Like realistically, there's not that much of a difference between those two players. Um, <laughs> they're both All NBA defenders. They're both, you know, like erratic offensive players. Uh, like one of they, they're both instigators, but in different ways, I guess. Like, I think Marcus Smart is a better cultural, uh, cultural piece for your team. I'm not saying that, but as far as like the nuts and bolts of who they what they bring to the court, um, I, I don't think that there's a huge difference. And then I, I think losing one of the best, if not the best, backup point guard in the NBA, that was that was a huge loss for them. Yeah. So if you 
I don't know. Vegas, first of all, if, if, no one should be offended by anything in a preseason, whatever report poll. No, Vegas, they, you know, prognostication of where the Kings will finish. Because my, I'm of the opinion, and I, I've talked about this in recent podcasts, but and I don't know that if you agree with this, but I feel that the Kings can finish worse in the division or in the conference, I guess, in the Western Conference. They could finish, let's say, sixth, fifth whatever okay. you peg them in. Yeah. And I feel that they can be better suited for a longer playoff run than they were this past year. Oh, I, I totally think, agree. I think this team can be better and I think they are better and I think they will be better, but if they but they don't need to finish third to second or first to become better. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And then I would also say this, Sean. They're also a team that skipped a few steps last year. Like we can all acknowledge that. Like yeah. no one expected right. the Sacramento Kings to be that good. They skipped a few steps in their development and that's okay. But I also think that they're one of those teams that oftentimes when you skip steps like this, you go into the next off season uh, you go into the next season and you try to win, 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 win all season long to prove that that's who you were. Right. And so I also wouldn't be surprised if the Kings end up being the one seed or the two seed in the Western conference and win a whole bunch of games because they're not playing they're They're not doing what a team who's been there multiple times does, which is take a step back and realize that you can give up four or five, six wins in the, in the regular season that may help you become better in the, in the postseason, where they're sure. resting players or like stra- uh, strategy or, or whatever it might be there's a way that you can balance out. So I could see the Kings being one of those teams that jump up and, and win way more games than anyone expects. And you're like, holy cow, this seems good. But you're also confused on whether they're going to be that good in the playoffs. Because, yeah. you know, we look at the Warriors when they win, what, 73, and they don't win the title. They win 67 and, and win a title. They win 73 and are the greatest win-loss team in the history of the NBA. And they don't win a title because they put a lot on trying to get that 73 wins. And I think that's what happens in the early maturation cycle of a team who's who's ascending. There's a there's a ton of NBA coaches that are sitting down right now before opening up a training camp. And they've had the ability to watch by now really all NBA teams, all rosters are pretty much in town. Um, and they've been working out with everybody and coaches like Mike Brown have been able to sit on the sidelines and or up in a tower that's kind of situated at Golden One Center and be able to kind of observe how how some of these workouts have gone and a lot of coaches look around and go okay from a roster standpoint one through wherever on my roster there's many of them that go okay there's question mark here question mark here question mark here you got maybe three or four on most teams where you don't know what your people are one through eight, one through nine, one through 10. Mike Brown can go pretty far on his roster sheet before he goes runs into his first question mark. 11. And, and that's 11. That's it. Well, and even let's, let's pretend it's eight. Okay. Let's just pretend for the sake of argument, it's higher up there. It's, okay. it's seven or eight, right? Yeah. Because that's we can put the question thing. mark. Yeah. We can put right. the question mark on, on Sasha Vizenkov. We can put the question mark on Davion Mitchell. We can like some of these players, you know, Trey Lyles, has Trey Lyles, Trey Lyles. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Even if it's higher up, right. The, 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 the amount of question marks are fewer 
Okay. One through five, you know what you got. Six, seven, eight, like that's when maybe you start getting into a little bit of a of a head scratch. But it's it's the, the point here is he has trust in so much of his roster based off of what's already happened and transpired. Now, again, I always kind of preface there's no analytic for chemistry. So just because one thing worked last year and you make a couple moves, how does that affect this team? That 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 can still be we'll we'll find that out. But it's very possible that this team is is increases in win total, increases from three, goes up to two or one in the West. Very possible. While I wouldn't pick it, I still think that this team is going to benefit greatly from that continuity and put the position themselves really, really nicely to where they have a harder decision to make come trade deadline than, than they did last year. And if you remember last year, everything was trending up. People, people were like, you gotta, you gotta go in and you gotta spend, you gotta, this is like baseball. You gotta throw everything at it and get your, get your utility player, get that person here that, that puts you over the top. And they showed some with the, with the exception of um, picking up Kessler Edwards, uh, they showed some patience there and they didn't burn out uh, picks to go out and get somebody like Omitis Thibel or, uh, or, or, or Mason Plumley or somebody like that, or even JaVale McGee who becomes available a year later or not even a year later an yeah, off season six months later. later. Yeah. So, so I think uh, it'll be curious to see if they have that, whether it be success that riding that wave into of success into the all the the all-star break and the trade deadline before that or let's say it's not working maybe let's say there's some scuffles along the way and you're looking more like a team that isn't quite there how does uh, how does that type of wave be it positive or negative or even a little bit of disappointment affect the decision making come uh trade deadline and i think that's going to be really interesting to see yeah, I totally agree. And especially at the trade deadline, you have a lot more contractually available to you than you do today. Right. And like you have a lot available and, and, you know, a guy that you've chased multiple times, if the Toronto Raptors have fallen by the wayside, is there a possibility that they'll reconsider a Siakam or a, uh, you know, an OG and an OB at, because they're coming into the final months of their, their tenure there, especially after losing Fred Van Bleet last year. Um, are there other players around the league? Does, is again, the Cavs do the Cavs fall, fall by the wayside and have a weird season. And is Donovan uh, Mitchell become a player that could possibly be on the move? Like there are all of these aspects. The Kings are still positioned not only to have the contracts to move for a player, uh, but also to have all of their first round picks after 2000, their 2014. Um, if they're, I mean, they're 2024. If they're a playoff team, uh, they already know their pick is gone, but that also means that they'll have their 26, 28, and 30 to go work with. So, yeah, it should be, it should be interesting, Sean. Like, there, we could have got into an argument there and, and extended this podcast out for like another 20 minutes. The what if they would have gone out and got Matisse Thibel at right. the uh, the trade deadline and not stood pat or what if they would have gone out and got a uh, Mason Plumley and a Matisse Thibel and what would that have looked like in the playoffs? Because uh, those are two things that I think we, we can look at and say, Oh, huh, okay. They struggle with perimeter defense and they struggled to get rebounds and to combat the big man, the big men in the post. Well, Just saying, in Sean, Warrior series. Yeah. The warrior series too. There was only one. There was only one series, Sean. It was the Warriors series. 
that's that that's seven games. Do you think that those two could have actually made a difference in the seven game series? And the answer is we don't know. It's possible that that's uh we we could have had that debate this summer and had it be, been a, a summer topic and we didn't. <laughs> um all right. Uh Sean's gotta get to his stuff. Uh and I I have uh, an event to get to. Sean, do you have Yeah, what's any... that event? What's your event? I don't want to talk you about should... it. Oh, you don't want to? Oh, okay, damn it. Sorry. It's fine. I, I, I have my my high school reunion tonight one of my high school reunions so i'm not saying what year but i i have a high school reunion tonight and i'm excited to go because i you know i have a lot of friends that i haven't seen in a long time and these are fun things to go to but uh that's yeah. cool yeah the wife is not looking forward to it so much i went to more than one high school so it, it to me it doesn't have the same kind of thing See, but, and that's where it's different. Um, yeah, my my dad went to twelve different schools growing up. Uh, he was a twelve. Hold on, 12? twelve. Yeah, he was a, a farm kid in like Central California, like Modesto, Stockton, like huh. all that area. Uh, he was born in Oakdale, and so <laughs> when me and my brother were born, my dad said we're gonna plant somewhere, and my kids are never going two different like they're gonna go to one group from start to finish and so i grew up in grass valley bell hill hennessy lyman gilmore nevada union and uh so there will be people at my reunion that i went to kindergarten with including wow. my best friend since we've been we've been best friends since we were four so and that's a long time to be best friends with somebody so how many high schools though did your did your dad go to i don't it, it was a lot i don't know yeah, 12, they moved around. You're talking about 12 schools. No, not 12 high schools. Youth. No, 12 yeah, yeah. schools throughout it. But 12 schools throughout your 12 years of school. Sure. That's, yeah, yeah. whenever you're. No, so he, you know, he never <laughs> got to make friends, lifetime friends and stuff like that uh, because of it. And that's not my situation. And, and I live, you know, 20 minutes away from where I grew up. So, like, I'm still here. I still see people that I know from, from school. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's cool. Like I, I'm, I don't fear the high school reunion. Yeah. Some people yeah. do. So, uh, all right, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts. I'm going to, I'm going to live like I was dying out here in San Diego for the next two days before, you know, Lay it all out the grind there, it is the NBA season. So, um, not sure if anybody, if this posts before I get out of San Diego, but people have San Diego references, feel free to send them my way. Sean's getting himself in some more trouble, some more trouble. No, uh, I'm well behaved. Final thoughts for me. Um, thanks to everybody who showed up for uh, the happy hour. Um, we had, we had quite a few people uh, like 70 plus most of the time. And like, that's a lot of people to show up for like a Thursday night to sit on a zoom call and drink and, and talk to people. Uh, so that was, that was cool. Um, uh, Sean, we had Steve Cohen, city councilman, Steve Cohen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Show okay. up and actually talk on the podcast, which was, he's a fan. Awesome. So shout out to Steve Great. Cohen, uh, who, who is one of the, uh, the few people who gave a thumbs up to uh, a new arena in Sacramento awesome. and, and was, a you know, part of the groundbreaking people that, uh, finally said yes to something and, and helped keep the Sacramento Kings in, in Sacramento. 
Um, that was one uh, of those names you threw out. And I'm like, I know that name. Who is that? And I literally yeah. said it out loud. He yeah. actually had emailed like, hey, I haven't seen the link to the happy hour. And and I responded back, not thinking that I knew the name. And then when he was on the, the happy hour, I'm like, oh, and he had his video on. I'm like, well, I know who that is. That's that's cool. Um, awesome. so, so that was cool. Uh, like number two, number three in, in the list here, uh, jump on board with the, the insiders. Um, I'm on every day from 10 to noon with, uh, with Kyle Madsen. He's off this week. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of guests all week. Hopefully Sean will be able to make it to one of those days, but, uh, you know, Joe Davidson's going to swing by one day. Uh, Jerry Reynolds is going to swing by one day. I think what? Jake Gaten. Jake Gaden is going to uh, swing by one day and, and help out as I get through the week. And, and uh, uh, Jesse will also be a huge part of what we're doing, uh, who is our, um, our producer on everything there at, at uh, ESPN. Um, and we also, Pat Martin, uh, shout out to Pat Martin, who had his last day on the Eagle uh, and is wow. hanging it up after 35 years as like the DJ of Sacramento. That uh, is between- a name that, He's yeah. been around a long, long, long time. Good for him. Yeah. So uh, between 98 Rock and uh, the Eagle, he's been, which are both Odyssey stations. He's been around forever. Um, and he hung him up. So uh, the cool thing about the insiders is we're going to get done on game night. And the next morning, we'll be there to digest everything that happened the night before uh, for like a two hour window. So make sure you're tuning in and, and hanging out with Kyle and I, and, uh, we're going to keep doing this thing at the King's beat. We're growing, we're doing all kinds of amazing things. Super excited to start writing a bunch more and have content, uh, that's just flowing nonstop. Uh, Brennan will be back for the pod. Uh, today was just a weird day. We didn't acknowledge his absence. Did we, we did at the beginning. He, uh, he posted a cool video, uh, he went and checked out the Tom's Watch Bar, which is outside of Golden One Center, that I've been waiting for it to open. Oh, of course you have. Yeah, it's going to be there very regularly. Um, and I, I was, uh, I, I, I text him after because I, I was like, the video makes it look like it's kind of smaller than I thought it might be. And he said, no, I think it's okay. I think it's pretty big. And I go compare it to Yard House, which is kind of, mm-hmm. Yard House is also in the Doco area for those that don't know. And uh, yard house is obviously quite sizable, and he says, "Yeah, I think it's pretty comparable." So I was like, "Okay, that's that's great." So, Sean, they have a bunch to... of rooms. They have a whole bunch Do of they? rooms that you can rent, or that you can have a meeting at and stuff. So at Tom's, maybe, okay, yeah. So maybe uh, Tom's Watch Bar is somewhere that uh, we we talk about uh, doing a, a live happy hour. Um, you, I think you, that that would be think? cool. Maybe we could okay. do like a Tom's Watch Bar. Like we're giving them free advertising right now, but a Tom's Watch Bar, like happy hour, uh, like on a on a road game or something, where Sean and and I and Brendan sit there and hang out with everybody, and then we got to go do our our Kings coverage. But yeah, possibilities, man, possibilities. Hmm. Looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, because the next happy hour definitely has to be in person. This Zoom shit's getting old. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I mean, as fun as the happy hour is, I'm telling. That's not why I missed the happy hour. You know, no, nothing against Zoom, nothing against Deuce and yeah. I was, I was checking out Odessa, but um, yeah, yeah, we need to do I've it been, live. We I've need been trying to, to do this in person stuff. Say know? hello to the peoples. Uh, yeah. 
So, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast. Make sure to jump on board to the King's Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com and become a premium subscriber so you get invitations to things like the happy hour. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, if you're still watching, give us a thumbs up, a rating review, anywhere that you're watching or listening to your podcast. And uh, this thing's about to start kicking off and rolling, and it's going to be wild, and we're going to be go, 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 go for the next six months. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, for Box 40, Sean Cunningham, I am James Hammy, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. See you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.